Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We have just finished a first part of our semester, and and I, I want to simply review just for a moment to kind of tell you what the overall scope of things are and help you understand this is all intentional. Our greatest desire is to equip you, help you, and to educate you to bring an awareness of the reality of who God is in your life, the role that Jesus plays, and your part in the kingdom. The kingdom of God should be a synonymous word with us when it comes to success. The kingdom of God should be a synonymous word when it comes to success. It should be another synonymous thought and mindset when it comes to our family. When we look at the overall view of the Bible, there is a plan that God has. We've gone through the semesters leading up to this point to go even deeper. The next semester, we're talking about warfare. But we've taught you how to make room for his presence the first semester. Secondly, we taught you how to live as priests and offer worship and what the tabernacle was. Then we got into kings and we taught you and began to share with you on what kings did. And and when you really boil it down to the kings semester, uh, and now we're in the kingdoms, this is still part of the kings and kingdoms, but we're in the kingdoms now. Um, It really boils down to how they obeyed and worshiped God and how they led God's people. So, unfortunately, through that semester, through that first part of this semester, we saw a roller coaster ride of just kings messing up, succeeding, repenting, going back, going into captivity, being restored. I mean, it it was just a mess. But today, I'm going to give you the reality of a stable kingdom, a stability that God has placed within the earth, and you're a part of it. And you're a part of that. In the syllabus, I want you to go ahead and let's read this together. Or just follow along with me. Week one is the plan, the kingdom plan. The kingdom of God is is central to the redemptive plan of man. From the fall of Adam and Eve to the calling of the nation of Israel and the coming of the promised Messiah. When Jesus came as the Messiah... His central teaching was on the kingdom. He established God's kingdom in the new covenant through his death and resurrection and now reigns from heaven by making us, by us making Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, we are now citizens of the kingdom of God. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, if you'll follow with me, if you have it, your Bibles, or follow me on the screen. And let me just advise you and give you this. Whatever mindset you thought you had of the kingdom of God before you're hearing this, get rid of it. You're, 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 you know, because I'm going to tell you that I believe everyone here comes from a certain denomination or a belief system. 
But in order for us to grow, I mean, if you know that in order for you to grow into new understanding in the scripture, you have to go past denominal boundaries. You have to allow yourself to be free from religious mindsets and be open-minded to the scripture and only the scripture because the scripture is comprised of so many perspectives from people and formed religious movements but the kingdom of God has a revelation that comes from the perspective of hungry hearts hungry hearts is the key how many of you are hungry for the word I'm hungry for the word Genesis chapter 1 then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air over the cattle over all the earth all the earth someone say with me again all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them then God blessed them this is God now transferring his authority to them God blessed them and said to, to them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea birds of the air every living thing that moves on the earth notice he didn't say go and boss people or have control over people this was really speaking of the things that God had blessed us with humanity with to rule over and to take and it goes on further in the scripture when he talks about the depths of the riches that are in the earth as well and how there is gold and silver and so types many types of precious substance and it's not just limited to animals it was its entirety and everything that God had created and God said see I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of the earth of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields to you it shall be for food verse 30 also to every beast of the earth every kind a bird of the air and everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life I have given every green herb for food and it was so and the Lord saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good so the evening and the morning were the sixth day we're going to talk about the kingdom plan I'm going to break this down for you with God's help and I'm going to hopefully give you something you can grasp get your pens ready get your pencils give your your, your phone your message whatever you're taking messages I don't care if you bring a laptop just don't surf on it we're asking you to just get in line and and get ready to learn because if you'll take note on what is today today this 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 segment of the kingdom plan i really do believe and our prayer is that it's going to make you aware make you aware of where the reality really is in this world how many of you agree that we're just passing through this life is temporary but while we are here we are to exercise our eternal reward now 
you can experience a taste and a touch of heaven while you're on earth before we get there. This is the appetizer to our main course coming. Do you understand what I'm talking about this Sunday morning? Just ask the Lord, broaden your mind if you don't. Lord Jesus, right now, just pray understanding right now over our life. A spirit of understanding and wisdom and clarity in Jesus' name. And somebody say amen. Because he's worthy, give him one more hand clap and tell him thank you ahead of time. Come on, just before he does anything else for you, tell him, Lord Jesus, thank you for moving in my life. Thank you for helping me apply this knowledge, understanding, and get results. And get in results. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for serving. Thank you for giving. Let's give it up also for all of our volunteers that are volunteering today. Three services. Thank you for serving. Before we begin, I always like to start off with giving you a good example and some clarity on where we're at, what we're trying to say. So I want you to look at this chart really quickly, and I'm going to go through this real simple chart. It's just the graph. It's something I made. They made it look better. But it's how I see things. And so I want to show you really quickly the very first thing that it's up there. It's the Garden of Eden. That tree represents the Garden of Eden, and it represents Adam. This is where the kingdom began. When we look at the Garden of Eden, the circumstances that were there, the actual environment, the the actual authoritative atmosphere. Adam and Eve lived in a place in their life of innocence, a place of authority. They they literally could, could have rulership over animals, name them, and were able to subdue. They had everything working for them. I want you to imagine living in such a place of favor where everything begins to go in your direction without any disruptions. They lived free from all demonic spirits except that moment where they allow the devil to convince them to become like God when they already were made in his image. That's a twisted truth, a lie. When you look at spiritual warfare many times, and I don't want to get too far ahead in semesters, but spiritual warfare is a matter of just counsel, false counsel and true counsel. The voices you listen to, the spirits that you submit to and surrender to. Eve listened to the wrong voice. She believed something And what literally happened in the garden, all of this I just read you, all of this transference of authority, it's like God created everything and said, here are the keys. They're yours now. Multiply. Be fruitful. Take control of everything. It's like you buying a car for your child and saying, this is your car now. Don't wreck it. If you have a teenager. This is your car. Don't get tickets. Don't wreck it. Don't mess it up. Nobody gave those warnings to your child when 
I call them children. Or youth, or your young adult. Nobody. Husbands, do you ever give the keys to your wife and say? Nope. Yeah, some of them here, right? At some point, someone here has been given authority or keys that gives you freedom. And with those keys come responsibility. God gave Adam and Eve the responsibility of having dominion and authority as the first human beings on this earth according to Scripture. And now when we begin to look at this, we begin to understand, well, they lost it. What they lost was they lost the power, the authority, the innocence that would overcome all evil. There was evil in the earth because Satan was there, but it could not stop Adam and Eve. The only thing that stopped them was their own sin. Make, make a note of that. The only thing that can stop you is sin. When sin occurred, sin stripped them of their authority and power to dominate, to rule, to multiply. Now, they still multiplied. They still were fruitful, but they did it in pain now. God told Eve, now you're going to bring forth in pain. So I want you to look and recognize that they were moving, they moved out of the garden in that place. Adam, under Adam, he failed in his rulership and his responsibility. And it was so bad that one day God said, enough is enough, and I'm going to destroy the earth, and God used Noah. Then God raised up Moses. And then this is where God tells Moses, here are my commandments. Here is the plans to the tabernacle. This is for my people. What God was trying to do, he was trying to give them back their authority to rule. He was trying to give them back his favor. And when you look at the children of Israel, everywhere they went, they were able to subdue all of their enemies. They were able to conquer, able to succeed. They were able to cross over into the promised land. They took the walls of Jericho down without having to cast one stone. The walls of Jericho had houses on the top of them. But all of that stemmed from the tabernacle plan. The tabernacle plan that God gave to Moses was a system. It was a place of worship. The Ark of the Covenant was representation of the Spirit of God. And God began to do these things to give his people place in, on the earth and authority. But they failed. They failed again. They made a golden calf. They took from the city of Jericho. Judgment came. God used judges during that time. During the time of Moses, the time before the kings were coming, the kings had been established through King Saul being the first one. God was their king. 
but they wanted their own. They wanted a man like all the other nations had. The, the law of God couldn't keep them. The law couldn't keep them. It was tough for them because of their heart condition. But they tried to do kings now. The, the, the tabernacle didn't work. They failed in the garden. Now they get kings. And now we went through this semester talking about some of the kings. And it was really a sad story. Some were triumphant. Some had a great beginning. And almost all of them had a sorrowful ending. Because once again, God could not get humanity to line up with his commandments or his will. We're human. We're faulty. But aren't you thankful that God gives second chances? But when Jesus comes on the scene, he comes in as the king of all those kings. And God begins to reestablish and uses Jesus, who is both God and man, to restore what Israel had lost time and time again. Time and time again, the progression of the kingdom of God came to a place where God had to do something that had never been done, but has been spoken about through all the prophets. It was something in the making. He knew that this time would come, but it would take time. But we have evidence through the scripture that Adam, Moses, and all the kings could not measure up and display. When they did walk in God's commandments, when they did worship, and keep in mind, even as the kings, the kings still had to keep the plans of the tabernacle, which now turned into the temple. Worship was a priority. Worship was a priority. But you remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? And, and, and she says, well, our fathers say this mountain and that mountain. And Jesus said, the time is coming and now is where you're not going to find me on that mountain or the other mountain. But the time is coming when the father shall seek out true worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Spirit, meaning that it was going to be a deeper issue there and it would come from an area that has never been come from before because prior to this, they were worshiping from their human perspective, from carnality, from their own will. They did not have what you and I have today. But Jesus Christ came and he walked on this earth and he displayed power from another kingdom and established the display of authority that came from heaven. He walked on this earth and there wasn't a devil that he faced that he could not deal with. There wasn't a sickness that he could not heal. There wasn't a situation he could not turn around. When people were hungry and they had just one bag of food, Jesus said, no problem. We can multiply that. Everybody sit down. There wasn't a situation too hard for the Lord. Why? Because the kingdom was being displayed. He came and gave us 
hope. He came and did something for us. Jesus came into this world to establish the kingdom. He is called the second Adam because he came to restore what the first Adam lost. So everything you and I have been going through is to help us become aware that when kings do right and keep his commandments, God works with them. They ruled. David was a mighty king because he worshiped the Lord. He was the first one, remember? He was the first one. After 20 years of the Ark of the Covenant being in the house of Abinadab, he took it back to Jerusalem and established worship and established a temple there. And then he was able to rule as the king, destroyed all the enemies, and handed Solomon such a peaceful heir of reign. But Solomon became comfortable and he became very loose. And what brought him down wasn't the devil, and it was not anyone else but his own weaknesses. His biggest challenge, and every king's biggest challenge, wasn't the devil, wasn't the Assyrian army, it wasn't the Philistines, it wasn't the Amorites, it wasn't any of those foreigners, it was themselves. But when Jesus came into the world as king, he said, and it was said by the angel to Mary, and his name shall be called Jesus, and he will save his people from, he didn't say Rome, he didn't say the Philistines, he didn't say any of the foreigners, he said he's going to save them from their sins because that was the real enemy. There is nothing in this world that can stop you from succeeding in life as long as you understand that the good news that Jesus brought to the world was the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. Point number one, the gospel is the kingdom has come. This is the reality that needs to be instilled in our own minds. If there isn't a conscience towards this mindset, it could be we have erected our own kingdoms. You want to know how to replace those old high places that you have of worship in your heart, in your mind, your dependency? Start being dependent on God and let God tear them down. Let the Spirit of God enable you, empower you, give you wisdom, understanding to recognize what needs to be removed. The beginning of this is understanding that when Jesus came into the world, his message was the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that there's something greater, there's something far more superior. You want to know what the disciples asked Jesus? You want to know what their biggest question was after his resurrection? Imagine this. Jesus was crucified, buried, resurrected, and he came and sat with them before his ascension up into the heavens for 40 days and 40 nights. And you want to know what they asked him? I want you to read it, if you will, in Acts chapter 1. Write that down, Acts chapter 1. Go home and read it. Here's what they asked him during those 40 days and 40 nights. Will you at this time restore 
the kingdom back to Israel? You know what they were looking for? They wanted to go back to the good old days. It's like you wanted to go back to the 80s and the 90s. No 80s and 90s kids here, 70s? Yeah, we can't have those days back. Some of you wish you could go back on those days, right? Until you start trying to dance to that song that you used to listen to in high school and recognize the body can't do that no more. Those days are long gone, long gone. Israel, you know what they wanted? They wanted the good old days. They wanted King David back. They wanted the days of Solomon back. They wanted the power, the, 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 the prestige. They wanted the influence. They wanted to be the ones that ruled over the nations. And the Lord Jesus replied to them when they asked that question. Will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In other words, you want the glory, but I'm going to take care of your problem that caused you to lose it. So when you allow me, in other words, I'm paraphrasing, but if you allow me, to help you get rid of your sinful nature, forgive you of your sins, and give you a righteous spirit and establish, let me establish my kingdom in you, I can reign through you. And there isn't a devil, there isn't a government, there isn't a situation that can stop you from moving forward because I have unlimited power in my life. And he gave so many examples of these. I'm just going to breeze through these really quickly here here's what he said matthew 13 in matthew 13 there are so many examples in verse 24 another parable he put forth saying the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who sowed good seed in the field verse 31 another parable he put forth saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed into the field and though it be the smallest seed he said it grew up to be the highest and the biggest herb Verse 33, it said, another parable he spoke and said to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took, hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. In other words, it just takes a little bit to go a long ways in your life. You just need a little bit. How many of you have ever got one touch from God and it took that one touch just to begin to expand through your soul, through your spirit, just one touch? Matthew, again, 44 Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for a joy over it, he, listen to this, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Whatever you have to give up for the kingdom of God, can I tell you, it's worth it. Nothing compares. Here we are in this world in pursuit of things we can see with our eyes when the real world is what we can see with our spirit that we'll live in forever. Eternity is forever. Man, life, I mean, time just flies, doesn't it? 
I turned 49 years old yesterday, and I'm like thinking to myself, dude, I'm almost 50. I remember I used to make fun of them. See, that's why I wear Nikes all the time. My mind is in the 90s. My body ain't stopping. There's no stopping it. No stopping it. The kingdom of God is real. It's more real than anything we can see here right now. And when you begin to embrace that mindset and get a hold of it and understand that was the gospel. Jesus rarely talked about him being crucified, but he did talk about it. But it was the crucifixion that we go to. In church, we bring people to the cross, and we go and bury them. But you want to know the sad part is we leave them in the ground. We leave them at the burial site, and we forget to take them all the way to the resurrection. Jesus intended us to go to the cross. And in case you don't know what I'm talking about, because you'd have to be here for a little while to, to learn this, but, but the cross represents the blood. It re represents repentance. The burial represented water baptism, the burial. But we're raised to the newness of Christ. But do you know it took resurrection power, and that's the Holy Spirit at the resurrection for us to walk in power and authority. We have to embrace and not be afraid to talk about the Holy Ghost. We cannot be afraid to even say the word Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, or say God still does miracles. God still heals. God still delivers. If it happened to Jesus and Jesus was able to do it, and he said, greater the work shall you do. What's the problem? Can I tell you what I think the problem is in the world? We have our own kingdoms. We built our own kingdoms on sand, like sandcastles. And one day time is going to wash it away. But Jesus said, I've got a kingdom that will stand forever forever and your real reward will be on the other side let me just I feel like I need to tell this to somebody there's some people here your whole life maybe you felt like you've fallen short Maybe you feel like you've given everything for others and sacrificed and maybe even put your children first. Can I tell you, and you may not have ever lived in that dream home maybe you didn't want, maybe you desired when you first got married, or maybe that's your situation. But can I tell you, if you've been faithful over the years, God's got a mansion for you on the other side as well. God's got a place and a piece of property for you on the other side that real estate can't afford on this side. I'm just telling you that our reward, the real reward is in heaven if you think you've got nice things now you have not seen anything till we get to the other side there's absolutely things there that you can't imagine colors that you've never seen no tears which means no sorrow no pain which means no sickness no disease nothing 
No memory of the past because that brings sadness. No more memories of the hurt. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. And what God did, he gave us the earnest of our inheritance. How many of you have ever put earnest money down on a house? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. The scripture says the spirit of God given to us is the earnest of our inheritance. A piece of what happens and what is on the other side. God has revealed the kingdom and he did it through his only begotten son. And when Jesus walked on the earth, that was the message. And here's the good news. He taught it. Point number two. God promised the kingdom to everyone. Are, are you with me so far? You understand how this all began with Adam through Moses and it came through the kings and then now Jesus came and he put his spirit inside the church and now we're supposed to reign with him. Let me ask you a question. Where do kings sit? Kings sit on thrones. You want to know why Jesus was able to heal and cure every disease? I want to read you this, Matthew 4 and 23. It says this. I'm going to go back just for a moment, but, but well, I'm actually going forward. Listen to this, Matthew 23, 4 and 23. It says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of diseases among the people. And then his fame went throughout Syria, and they brought him to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and tormented, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. What was that? He was showing the display and power of what it means to reign in the kingdom of God. Life in the kingdom. There is absolutely nothing. I have seen it with my own eyes. Has God healed everybody I prayed for? No. Has he healed people I prayed for? Yes. Have I lost loved ones to sickness and disease? Yes. Have I prayed for other ones and other people with sickness and disease and God healed them? Instead, Yes. It's not up to me. But I'm not going to stop believing. And I have seen miracles, signs, and wonders. And there have been things that God has done greater than any miracle, and that's the saving of my family and relatives that I thought would never come to God and never come to church because of prayer, because of consistency, because of power. There are so many different things. And there's the, uh, there, there, there's the, the subject of having peace of mind, peace in your spirit. There's a subject also of relationships, strong relationships, relationship with your spouse, relationship with your children, relationship with your family and your siblings. I'm telling you that the kingdom of God is greater. And did you know that most of the time behind every problem that you're facing, if it's not you, it's probably a devil. 
working behind other people or other things. But did you know that they're not greater than God himself? You can't say to yourself, this is too hard for God to do. But when you start doing the comparison and start recognizing in the scripture that when it came to every one of these spirits and problems, even people, they could not and they were no match for the kingdom of God. No match. But again, point number two, the kingdom is for everyone. The scripture says it's God's pleasure to give you the kingdom. We just have to learn to accept that we're citizens of it and we're going to begin to live it. But how do we live in the kingdom? Remember, every king learned how to worship in the temple. If you're going to see the kingdom displayed, you have to be responsible as a priest over your temple. Then you begin to see the manifestation of the works of God in your life. And when you start serving the Lord and honor him first and become the priest that God's called you to be. And I'm telling you here right now, you'll see things disperse. You'll see spirits lead. You'll see arguments. You'll see conflicts. You'll see even financial difficulty, struggles. You'll begin to see God open doors and networks. You'll begin to see people, God, God send people to your business. You'll begin to see things happen that you thought, oh, my God, I, I got to put more money into marketing. Hold on a second. God will do what you can't do. You'll begin to think to yourself, oh, my God, what am I going to do about this relationship? I don't think God can ever heal it. You'll find those people coming back and saying I love you I'm sorry forgive me and you'll find yourself going back and saying you know what it was me I was proud I was just this is my problem whatever else God is a God of reconciliation but it takes the power of God to bend your will and to help other people it's not God's will for always for us to be in in this warfare all the time although we are in war although there is a battle but I'm going to tell you you can live on the victory side you can live on the side of victory you can live on the side of momentum you can live on the side of having good reports of having good news come to you of seeing miracles take place every single week living for God isn't boring living for God is exciting I love it I love living for God it's so exciting I just hear something good every single week I'm not trying to brag. I'm just telling the truth. When you pray, when you seek God, when you know who you are, know who you have, know who's inside of you, and you understand we are seated with him. Where do kings sit? They sit in high places. Where do we sit? Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith, Paul said, in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling? 
what are the riches of his glory of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? Are there any believers in the house this Sunday morning? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. What does right hand mean? It's a Hebrew term that refers to place of power. When you say this is my right hand man, you're saying this is the one who holds my authority when I'm not around. How can you put someone on the right hand of something that's everywhere? Can't. It's a place of power. Did y'all catch that? Right hand in heavenly places, far above. Okay, so if I'm seated with him, that means that I am. And my spirit man, when I'm connected to him, or when I'm seated with him, you want to know why devils keep messing with you? You want to know why there's constant arguments in the family? You want to understand why things keep coming against your business? Or things keep, you want to know why? You ready? Write this down. You ready? Write it down. You're not seated with him. You're not seated with him. You know, are you having, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm just trying to prove a point. How many of you are having a hard time? And, and don't, please don't respond with back issues or things right now. I get that part. But how many of you are struggling to sit down right now? I mean, honestly, is it hard to sit down? No. You want to know what the hard part was? The hard part was not hitting the snooze button when it was going off this morning. Now, you're the later service, so maybe that didn't happen to you. Maybe you're up already. I'm into time. I'm into my altar call right now. I've got to get done. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's the hard part. Taking a shower, ironing the clothes, getting it together, getting the kids together, okay, planning out the day, driving here, walking into the church, waiting in line for coffee, and then sitting down. Sitting down is not the hard part. Getting to the seat is. You want to know what the hard part is in Christianity? But once you get there, it's easy. Sit with him. Let your prayer be consistent. Let your Bible reading be consistent. Let everything in your life be persistent to the place of perseverance. We are pushing back. You're pushing back. Every time you have pushback, you're pushing back even harder. You're going forward. You're moving forward. You're blinding yourself, and you're ignoring every emotion, every conflict, every, all drama, and you're just pressing through and pressing through until finally you're to this place where you're like, and now it becomes easier because you're seated with him. And now when you go to war, you're speaking from a heavenly perspective, and now he's overlooking everything with you because you are seated with him. Ready? Verse 21. I'm coming to a close. Come on, Haley. Far above. See, read it with me. Say, far above. Say it again with me. Far above all principality and power. You know what principalities are? 
Those are the governing spirits that are over regions. He's above that. So it's not by your power or by your might, but it's by his spirit. It's not hard. He's got to sit with them and say with me, and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet. So if they're under his feet, who's his feet? We're the body of Christ. It's under our feet. Will you stand to your feet here? The hard part's just getting to the seat, getting to the seat with him, sitting down and staying there. That's rest. Here's what I want to leave you with. God's original plan, the kingdom plan, was for us to live in the kingdom and reign with him. Let's just make this our prayer right now. Can we make this our prayer and say, Lord Jesus, let there be a renewing and a sobriety and awareness of your spirit, of your kingdom. Come on, let's press in right now. Let's begin to worship. Can we begin to press in right now? Can we begin to press in right now? Will you allow the Spirit of God to flow through you? Can you pray in the Spirit right now? Will you just begin to press in and say, Lord Jesus, let me become aware of your presence. Let me become aware of your Spirit. Let me, God, become cognitive of the fact that I am not just a a, a church member. I am part of a kingdom. I am part of a kingdom that is greater, God, than anything in this world. That there is much more, God, in this world. That there is much more, God, that you can do. There is much more I surrender for my family. I surrender, God, for my marriage. I surrender, God, for my children. I surrender, God, everything, everything in my life, everything in my life. I surrender to your kingdom. I surrender. The kingdom of God is real. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for every person here. I pray that the Spirit of God would grab a hold of every heart and that there be an awareness, dear God, an awareness, an awareness, an awareness, dear God, an awareness. Will you close your eyes and just begin to press in as we pray right now? As we pray right now, say, Lord, make me aware. Make me aware right now in the name of Jesus. I am part of something greater. I'm being restored in my life. Lord God, stretch forth your hand. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Someone say, open my eyes. Open my understanding. Let me have a reality check, God. Let me leave here with an awareness that we are citizens, that we are citizens of a kingdom. Help us put it all together. Help us put the word of God together and see the big picture. Help us to see the big picture. All along, all you wanted to do, dear God, was just establish your kingdom and help us to reign. And we are Gentiles stepping into this, grafted in, adopted into this lineage. Our heritage is in the kings. Our heritage is in the kingdoms. Our heritage, God, 
is in your kingdom. We are royal. We are royalty, God, in the spirit. In the spirit, we are royalty. Let there be God obeisance, God, from every demonic force, God, that's in this world and in our lives that are fighting our children, fighting our family. Help us, dear God, walk in that type of authority that, God, that we are not going to be bullied anymore. We are not going to be bullied anymore. That we are going to be seated with you and walk with you, God, and we're going to see the hand of God, the hand of God come, the hand of God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands and sing with them. Come on, lift up your hands, lift up your hands. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here in this place. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.